Hello, this is Tim, the lead pastor of Mosaic Portland, and welcome to the Mosaic Portland podcast. We exist to follow Jesus in authentic community for the world. And right now we're gathering Sundays online uh, to worship together and to open up scripture together. And then after that, we have virtual house gatherings that meet all over our city. And the great thing about these is that you can actually join in wherever you're listening from. We think these right now are the best way to be known, to connect with others, uh, and to be on mission together. They're also where we pray together on Sundays in smaller communities, where we take communion together and debrief what the talk was about and engage scripture more. If you want to find out more information of how to be a part of one in this season, you can find out more info on our website, mosaicportland.org. Now let's go to scripture together as we listen to this podcast. Welcome. It's so good to be with you. Uh, my name is Tim. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic. And as we go to scripture today, uh, I want to I want to tell you about a skill that I learned, actually two skills that I learned in third grade. Um, I hope I learned more than did two, but, but here's two, and, and maybe one of them you'll remember, and maybe one of them would be new to you. Two skills I learned in, in third grade. Uh, stop, drop, and roll. That one you might know. Second one is this, duck and cover. I grew up in Southern California. In third grade, we had to learn stuff for when there was a fire, which is stop, drop, and roll, and when there was earthquake duck and cover. And so if you didn't grow up in Southern California, the earthquake one might be foreign to you, but uh, earthquakes in Southern California were pretty common. And, and uh, actually, uh, we just had to be trained and, and ready for them. And so I can remember in third grade sitting in, in my little desk, in my little chair, and the teacher explaining, this is what we're going to do, and stop, drop, and roll. And I don't know about you, but for stop, drop, and roll, we never practiced the roll part. That kind of sounded like more fun to me, but we never got to practice that. It was just stop and drop. And so we were training, and then it would be fire drills, and that would happen, and the fire drill would go off, and we'd stop and drop, and then we'd line up and go outside, and everybody would get out away from the building. And for the other one, for the earthquake, um, was uh, duck and cover. It was, it was duck down and get under your, uh, your desk right there. And um, I can remember, I, I didn't think about what it would actually mean for the building to be on fire. I didn't think about what it would actually mean to, to have the building shake in an earthquake. In third grade, I didn't, I didn't know what that was like. I'd never been in a building that was on fire. I'd never been in an earthquake that I was old enough to be aware of. And so those were, were these really kind of basic skills to go, okay, if this ever happens. But I didn't think about that. Much later, years later, in eighth grade, I experienced my first earthquake. Was in middle school at the time, and the the, the building started to, to shake, and and we all and in, in, like looked at each other in panic. But what we did is we got under our desks, and and after it stopped, we we got up and we got outside, and it didn't go as orderly as it went in uh, in drills, like say in third grade. Um, but we kind of knew what to do, and we knew what to do is because we had practiced it over and over and over again. And so when this really bizarre foreign thing happened, the earth shook. We kind of knew what to do a little bit, and and granted, it was it was not perfect, but it kind of happened. But it, it was because we had practiced it over and over and, and over again. When those things happen, when these big, massive things like a building being on fire, a uh, an earthquake happening in other parts of our nation, a, a tornado, there are responses to that, and it actually starts with with some very basic simple responses, and it's basic simple responses that help us to know how to respond and to get through. We know that we're in a, a unique time. Uh, we know that this is a very complex world right now. And if you're anything like me, uh, you, you probably catch yourself trying to understand everything that's gone on. 
everything that's going on and start to ask the questions of what's gonna happen and what's next and why in this complex world, when I, when I start to make plans in one direction, do I always have to have contingency plans right now? That's a new and a little different. I, I find myself trying to grasp and wrap my mind around everything that's going on in the world today. I, I haven't been able to do it. it. It doesn't work really well. In fact, it actually doesn't set me up very well for the next day, it, it doesn't help. What I'm finding right now is that I, I need some really simple, basic steps to move forward. As we seek to follow Jesus, as we seek to, to know him and to hear from him and to, to become the women and men that he's designed us to be, I believe that we need just some really basic habits that help connect us with him in the midst of everything that is going on in this world right now. I, I knew as a, as a third grader that I, I couldn't understand a building being on fire. I knew as a third grader, I couldn't understand the science and the reality behind an, an earthquake, but I could, I could grasp stop, drop, and roll. I could grasp duck and cover. And that would actually be a step forward in response to a situation that I couldn't understand. And in the very same way, Jesus has invited us. God has designed us to step into some habits that connect us with him, that allow us, maybe not every time, but as we practice them over the course of our life, day in, day out, week in, week out, year after year, decade after decade, that actually allow us to hear the still small voice of our creator, of our savior, Jesus, that help us to walk with him, even in, in times like this. So what we're gonna do over the next number of weeks is take a look at these habits. Um, before I tell you what the habits are, I want today to, to just look at an image in scripture. This image that shows up repeatedly throughout the word of God, describing who we are. And it's one that you might be familiar with. It might be new to you, uh, or maybe you remember hearing at one time. But I want us to look at this imagery that, that shows up repeatedly throughout scripture, because I think it helps us understand what's going on when we step into habits with the God of the universe. So I want us to look in, in the book of Jeremiah. And, and Jeremiah is kind of, it's in the middle of the Old Testament. It's actually a fairly long book. And Jeremiah is what's called a prophet. And a prophet is, is someone that God speaks through in their time. And certainly afterwards, as he's written a book of the Bible, and we have uh, the book of Jeremiah. But Jeremiah is a prophet. And he's actually a very relatable prophet. We, uh, as we get to know Jeremiah in scripture and, and, and know who he is and what it's like uh, to be him. He, he deals with self-doubt a lot. He's self-critical. Um, he has moments of, let's say, success and, and failure. Um, he's in a very difficult time in which he lived. And, and had he been up to him, he probably would have chosen a different era in which to live and to be a prophet. It was a very challenging time. But for all those reasons, it, it's easy to identify with Jeremiah. But we're going to look at just three verses, four, five verses in Jeremiah. It's chapter 18. And in this, God is speaking to Jeremiah. And Jeremiah has recorded it so that we can read it. And he's recounting what God has said to him and, and invites him into. And Jeremiah 18, verses one through three, first of all. And, and listen to these verses. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. Jeremiah hears from God, hey, I want you to go down to the potter's house. And he does that and he describes the potter's wheel. And, and uh, maybe you're familiar with this uh, kind of art form of and. Um, way of making a pottery. Uh, and it, in, in that age, in uh, ancient uh, times, it was a wheel, it's two rocks that were put together and, and they would spin and you'd use your foot to, to spin the bottom one, it would spin the top one. And then so the, 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 the wheel would, would turn the, um, and you'd put a, a lump of clay on, on, the, 
and the wheel and the potter would sit over the, the clay and have his hands on it and, and with water and different materials would shape it and it would spin. And again, many of us are probably familiar with, with that, that art form and, um, and maybe we've even seen it done before. We've even done it in art class or maybe that's something that you, you actually practice and you know how to do that. I've only done it in high school art class and it didn't go well, but this, this story in the midst of, of Jeremiah is he's watching that happen. Um, we actually are described as the clay. And throughout scripture, and here, the, the clay in, in, in chapter 18 in, in Jeremiah is actually uh, Judah. It's a, a nation of Israel. And, and there's so much more that goes on in the next chapter of that. So it's not just one specific person, but other places in scripture, uh, it describes us individually as, uh, as clay. But in this point, as Jeremiah is watching um, the potter with the clay, he describes in the next verses something that's really helpful for us to hear. It says this, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. Jeremiah is led to this house where the potter is forming this clay into a, a jar. And, and he records seeing the process of forming the clay. And in seeing that, it starts, to, it starts to form before his eyes and he sees that it's a, a jar and it's going around on the wheel. And then he sees that the, the potter notices that it's marred in some way. And it, it doesn't go into description of what that is, but most typically what it is, it's a lump of clay that has not been worked through and, um, or that his, his finger or his hand has pushed too much into it and, and it's caused a flaw in it. But more likely than not, it's, it's a lump of clay in and it's going around. And what has to happen is that it has to stop for a moment and get worked through and then start again. And and what's described here is that the, the potter notices the, the mar in the clay and he doesn't stop the wheel and, and take off the clay and discard it and reach for new clay. What he does is he stops it and he works it through and then he begins to form a new jar out of it. It's the same clay in a, in a new jar. Later on in uh, the book of 2 Corinthians, we have this, this said. 2 Corinthians, and this is Paul in the New Testament writing chapter four, verse seven. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It describes us as, as jars of clay. And the imagery that we get here is this common piece of clay that's been worked through, that's been formed into a jar, that's been put into the kiln and dried, and then is usable to put things into it. And, and Paul's describing putting treasure into it. And in Jeremiah, we have this, this reforming out of the same clay. And throughout scripture, what we get is, is that we're the clay and that God is the potter. And what's so beautiful about specifically verse four in, in, in Jeremiah chapter 18 is that the clay, the clay not being discarded, but, but being used is God's patience with us. Is that he doesn't discard us, that he's patient with us and that he forms us. And he works through our, the, the word marred there actually means ruined. <laughs> and it means it's, it's ruined. It's not able to be the, the jar that was first envisioned but the clay is not discarded, it's, it's used again. And, and the reason that the same clay is used again is not just God's care and value for us and love for us, but that there's a purpose for us and that the treasure, as Paul describes later on, would be in us as jars of clay and that it would literally shine out of us. It would shine through us. It would be, it would be found in us. I was, uh, uh, I think, uh, 21, 22 years old as a senior in college. And I had this amazing opportunity to go to, to Israel. And uh, it was about an 11 day trip and it was, a, it was part of a class and um, got to go to Israel and see all of all these different sites and all these different tours and, and buildings and, and uh, 
archaeological digs. And I, I was walking through one and all over the ground were these pieces of broken clay. And uh, there wasn't any signs that said they didn't pick one up. And so I actually picked one up and I put it in my pocket and I have it till this day. It sits in the drawer next to my bed and I've just always kept it there. And it's just a reminder of that trip and all that it meant to me. I say that not just as a confession that I, I took it, but to, to realize how common and normal and everyday-ish clay was at that time. When these things were being written, and, and the piece of clay I have isn't from 2,000 years ago. It was, it was insignificant and not worth much. The archaeological digs were going much deeper, and this was just on the, on the surface and accessible to anybody that was walking by. It wasn't worth a whole lot. It had been broken and it was just, just a piece, but it was, it was something that was accessible to everybody. It was very common. And God, in saying to, to them and, and to us today that we're, the, we're this common thing, and yet we hold tremendous value because God has his hands on us and he's formed us. He's, he's changed us. He's helped us through our ruin. If we've been ruined and we find Jesus, then God's able to use us and work through us, that we're not discarded that God pays attention to us. There's this, this picture, if you can see the potter sitting at the wheel, that there's focus and intention on us that for the rest of the world, we might seem common and, and discarded, but, but God actually has an attention to us. He's not watching some screen and building a jar off to the side where he's not paying attention, that he's got his hands on us and he's forming us into something that he wants to use and be involved in. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, as we're described as jars of clay, the treasure that is in us is, is the story, the message, the good news of, of Jesus Christ, of his death and resurrection, as we talk about it as the story. And that happens in us. And the verses that are right before that are very timely for us as a church. Let me read them to you as well. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. We just came through Advent and that was our theme, that light shines in darkness. This quote that Paul has in verse five there, or verse six of Second Corinthians chapter four, light shines in darkness, is actually quoting from Genesis chapter one, verse three, where God creates and brings light into the formless darkness at that point. And he says, then, then later on, it's used to describe who Jesus is, that light that brings life. And we spent all of December talking about that as we walked into Christmas. And the reason we did that was to, to remind ourselves that Jesus came to us. Not only did he come to us, but now he wants to shine through us and shine through these simple, common, everyday jars of clay that God has spent time forming with the purpose that Jesus would be seen through us. When we're described as jars of clay, we're described as something that is common and everyday and is accessible. Not because it's not valuable, it's tremendously valuable, but it is so common that it doesn't take away from the treasure that is uncommon and that it's allowed to shine through us. And I want us to ask the question of how does that happen? How is it that God is able to get his hands on us and form us into the jars that he wants us to be? How is it he's to form us into the people that he wants his son to shine through? How is it that he's able to form us? And there's an answer to that. And it's actually the simple habits that connect us with Jesus. It's the basic things that we know. It's not something mysterious. It's not something that we have to figure out. 
It's not something that we even have to search for. It's accessible, it's basic, it's simple, it's ready for us. It's as basic as duck and cover. It's as basic as stop, drop, maybe roll. It, it's that basic. There's a story of a, a woman named Adelaide Pollard, and uh, she never married. She, uh, she, in her early 40s, after serving Jesus in, uh, in her city for, for years and years and years, was ready to go overseas and serve Jesus in, in Africa. And there was circumstances in her life that prevented her from doing that and fulfilling the dream that God had given her. And she went home after a prayer meeting and crying out to God, why? I want to do this. Why? I'm ready. Why? And because of financial constraints and other details in her life, she wasn't able to do that. And she penned these words, wrestling with God. She said this, listen to this. These words have become a hymn. Here's the, here's the first lines of the hymn. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will, while I am waiting, yielded and still. Listen to that last line again. While I am waiting, yielded and still. How is it that God actually gets his hands on us and forms us into what he wants us to be? It's that we enter into habits and practices and regular rhythms where we're waiting where we're yielded and where we're still. That if you can imagine this, and this might seem silly to you, but if we're clay, we don't get to form ourselves. Clay doesn't get to form, clay doesn't decide what kind of jar it becomes. It actually just lays on the potter's wheel. Many of us are really, really stubborn clay. <laughs> we don't wanna lay down on the potter's wheel. We've got all sorts of ideas of the kind of jars we can be. And, and, and some of that comes from really great motivation that we could be wonderful, beautiful, amazing jars for Jesus. And yet God says, no, I have my idea for you. I wanna form you into this kind of jar. The simple beginning, basic habits where we lay ourselves down and say, God, you form us are accessible and available to me and to you. They're not mysterious, they're not out there and they help us to be clay that is waiting, that is yielded, that is still. How is it that we do that? Let me give you three habits that we're going to look at in the coming weeks. They're not new. They're not surprising. In fact, you could probably name at least two of them with me already. The first is prayer. Prayer. Prayer is a habit where we talk to God and listen to God, and we learn how to do that. The second is going to his word, of actually opening up scripture, being ready to read and to hear and listen for his voice to us. The third one might be a little bit surprising. It's music, it's song. Songs that God has given us as his people to sing and to listen to and repeat and to cry out to him. Prayer, scripture, and songs. We're gonna look at those in the coming, coming weeks, but those are three that we engage with individually on our own, that we engage with regularly with others. Can't wait till we can do that again. But these are three simple, basic habits that connect us with Jesus as his people, as his daughters and sons that allow us to be still and yielded so that God can get his hands on us. They're habits that we actually see modeled in the life of Jesus that we can choose. The English poet uh, John Dryden's kind of credited with this, this, this statement that we've heard and the words change and it's attributed to a number of different people. Best I can tell, he was the first to say it, but he, he says this, the English poet John Dryden says, first, we choose our habits or we make our habits and then our habits make us. 
First, we choose our habits and then our habits choose us. This is the idea of the things that we do regularly in our life begin to form us over time. They make us who we are. A year ago, as we talked about the heart, one of the books that we looked at is You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith. And one of the things he says, if, if, if love is a virtue, then, then uh, love is a habit. That there are things that we do in our life that begin to, to shape us. And if we wanna love God, there's things that we can do regularly that will help grow our love for God. There's a, a great book that talks about, um, not from a Jesus perspective, but just from a scientific perspective. And in that sense, it is a Jesus perspective that, that God invited, invented all of science and created all that we know and, and all truth. It's a book, uh, The Power of Habits. It's, it's several years old, but in the closing chapters, uh, the author quotes James, uh, William James and says this, all of our life, so far it has, as it has a definite form, all of our life, so far as it has definite form is but a mass of habits, practical, emotional, and intellectual, systematically organized for our weal or woe, and bearing us irresistibly toward our destiny, whatever the latter may be. The same idea, that if we, if we pull apart our life or we assess our life, who we've become is a series of, of habits that we've chosen or that they've chosen us that shape our life, that we do regularly. A habit isn't just something that we determine to do and then do it and learn how to do it repeatedly. A habit is something that just might already be in our life that we didn't even choose, that we just realized we just kind of adopted and it's, it's part of our life. And so the, the thing I want us to do is, and again, considering that thought from James K.A. Smith that, that love is a habit and that our life is, a, is, is, a, is called to love God and respond to him in love. And there's things that we can do that can help build that into our life. I have a question for us. Name five habits that you have in your life right now. As you go into this next week, identify five habits. Now, it could be something that you just picked up and just happened in your life. It wasn't something intentional that you said, I wanna like start exercising. It's, you know, today, January 10th, we're 10 days into the new year. Maybe you've already uh, picked up a new habit of exercise. Like that's a very thing to do in the new year. Um, but we have habits that are intentional and we have others that aren't. So here, let me give you some categories to think through. What are five habits in your life? What are ways of thinking that are just habitual to you? So think of something that shows up week after week that you think the same way about it. That, that's a habit. Maybe that's one you can name. How you manage your time. Where does your time go? That's our habits. What time you wake up, what time you go to sleep. Um, another one would be how you use technology. That's a habit. How much social media you look at, when you look at it, how often you look at your phone, uh, what websites you go to, what, um, what your viewing habits like just on shows and TV. Those are habits people and relationships. Who do you talk to? How do you talk to them? You know, another one could be even feelings, that some of our feelings and responses are habits. What are things that regularly recur in your life? Take, take time this week to assess what are five habits you got in your life. And the reason I want you to ask you that is because next week we're going to be looking more, before we get to the specific habits I mentioned, we're going to be looking more of, of how habits form us and how significant they are in our life when we come together again next week. In a complex world, that we can't all figure out. Jesus has provided for us simple, basic habits that connect us with him, that allow God to get his hands on us and form us into the people that he wants us to be so that he can shine through us in this world.